WRCR family, welcome to another edition of The Good with Kevin Thomas. I am Kevin Thomas, and I am grateful once again to be here for another Saturday. Now, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, next Saturday, uh, there will not be a show because I'm going on vacation starting on Monday, so... uh, so we'll take a break for a week and uh, get recharged and uh, get the batteries right where they need to be. And then uh, we certainly will come back and give you all the positive stories and uh, music that you're looking to get when you listen to the show. Uh, now, for music today... I'm going to play Mike Walsh, and uh, he's got a song called Ride, and I think you'll like it. I I, I liked it when I listened to it, so, uh, you know, if I like the song, then definitely it's getting played right here on WRCR. Now, it's uh, a little drizzly out. You know, we've had uh, some bouts of rain the last few days, and uh, actually last night's uh, Rock, uh, almost said Rockland, uh, New York Boulders game was uh, postponed uh, because of the rain, and uh, uh, we will have New York Boulders action tonight at 6.30 right here on WRCR. They play the Washington Wild Things and um you know that i i uh, that's just a, a really interesting name for a team the wild things all i can think of is the movie major league uh, you know uh but hopefully they pitch better than that um at least not tonight but we'll we'll see how that goes uh now if you feel like talking you feel like sharing some good news uh, it's real simple. The number is 845-429-1700. That's 845-429-1700. And uh, we'll share in your good news. Or if you if you just want to say hi, we'll say hi back. We'll have a good time. And uh, if you're a business that's looking to sponsor a positive a show with a positive message... Uh, definitely get in touch with either Carrie or Jeff and uh, talk to them about advertising possibilities here on WRCR because we'd love to have you and uh, we can certainly use even more support. Uh, we, ha- we have some great sponsors here on the station and it, it, we'd love to have you as part of the family. Uh, so that's uh, Kerry at K-E-R-R-Y at WRCR.com or Jeff at WRCR.com. Uh, now, last week, I was just about to get into a story until I ran out of time. So I figured I'd bring the story back for this week. And uh, it's it's really amazing. So I want to talk about a baby that was born at the Children's Minnesota Hospital in Minneapolis, Minnesota, of course. And uh, the baby's mother, Beth Beth Hutchinson, uh, suffered some medical complications and had to cost her to go into labor and she had to deliver her baby. Now, what's interesting about this particular baby Richard Scott William Hutchinson. He was born at a gestational age of 21 weeks and two days, making him 131 days premature. Now, the standard gestational period for a baby is 40 weeks. So, 
according to the Guinness Book of World Records, he is the most premature baby in the world to survive. He weighed just 0.74 pounds. Just shy of three quarters of a pound. Now, uh, their neonatologist, Dr. Stacy Kern, said when Rick and Beth received prenatal counseling on what to expect with the baby being born so early, they were given a zero percent chance of survival by the neonatology team. And uh, in December of 2020, after more than half of the year in the NICU, he was given the all clear to leave the hospital and head home. And uh, Dr. Kern says the day Richard was discharged from the NICU was such a special day. I remember picking him up out of the crib and just holding him with tears in my eyes. I could not believe that this was the same little boy that once was so sick that I feared he may not survive. The same little boy that once fit in the palm of my hand with skin so translucent that I could see every rib and vessel in his tiny body. I couldn't help but squeeze him and tell him how proud I was of him. He taught me what it truly means to be resilient. And every time I look at him, I'm reminded how strong and amazing all these little beautiful babies are. So just this past, uh, just last month, uh, on June 5th, little baby Richard celebrated his first birthday. And his mother said, it doesn't feel real. We're still surprised about it, but we're happy. It's a way we can share his story to raise awareness about premature births. So, one-year-old Richard Scott William Hutchinson, we pray that you continue to have good health on your journey in this world. Isn't it amazing, though? 0.74 pounds. Just amazing. Just a blessing right there. Now, uh, the next story I want to talk about involves babies. And uh, I want to talk about Raya and Naya. Now, Raya and Naya are twins. And... uh, when their mom, Rima, found out she was going to have twins, she, she at first thought it was a joke. She said, uh, I, I, was, I just got shocked because we don't have this in the family. Now, what was interesting about Raya and Naya is that uh, when they did the ultrasound, the sonographer noticed that both babies were in the same amniotic sac. So they they did some tests and and for sure they were monoamniotic twins, which means that they share an amniotic sac and a placenta. Now uh now according to Columbia University Irving Medical Center's Department of Obstetrics and gynecology, monoamniotic twins make up less than 0.1% of all pregnancies. And uh, Rima, Rima said that when she, she was already overwhelmed as it was, but uh, finding out her, the situation with her twins she said uh, she had all sorts of scenarios running through her mind like a roller coaster. She said, too many things went in my head, 
especially the bad scenarios, like what's going to happen? What if something bad happens? And so at that point when they realized what the situation was for Raya and Naya, uh, Rima had to see uh, doctors for weekly checks on the babies. And her husband, Rami Ramadan, comforted her. You know, Rima said, sometimes I kept crying and my husband is like, it's okay. You, you have to just pray and everything will be fine. It was hard, really, really, really hard. Now, uh, the girls needed to be monitored three times a day. So uh, Rima ended up getting admitted to the Baylor Scott and White Medical Center, Grapevine, where she stayed for three months until she gave birth. And uh, her husband said that having his wife in the hospital was, you know, it started out as being a comfort because of her high-risk pregnancy, but it was also a challenging time for the family. He said COVID restrictions and the hospital's visitation rules during COVID made it hard for the kids, for the, for the mom, for me. Now, she, by the way, has three other kids. So so it was tough on the whole family. Uh, and uh, so the time came for Ryan and I to be born. Uh, it, it ended up happening uh, seven weeks before their due date. And uh, in the beginning, Raya had some trouble breathing when she was first born, but she recovered. And uh, Dr. Julia Flowers is an OBGYN and chairman of the Department of Ethics at Baylor Scott and White Medical Center Grapevine, said the twins' positive story is why she loves her job. When our patients are faced with challenging and high-risk pregnancies, our team demonstrates love and compassion while applying training and best practice to provide the best outcome possible. Now, the newborns, Raya and Naya, had to stay in the hospital uh, NICU uh, for another two weeks. But the, now they are home. And uh, their, their father now says... Uh, we can't be happier. We made it through the hard time. Now the girls are finally here. They're healthy. They're out of the NICU. The family's united. It's a blessing. And Rima says, I'm happy to see my girls next to me every single day. So, another good story involving babies just coming into the world and there's so many complications. There's so many things that have to go right. There's so many things that can go wrong. And uh, it's just good to hear some stories of survival and of perseverance here on this earth. Now, uh, coming up, as I said, uh, we've got Matt Walsh with the song Ride. Uh We'll have that in a few minutes. Again, if you feel like saying hi or uh, you, you want to share some good news, it's good news that you're going through or good news that you heard or good news that uh, somebody else is going through, well, feel free to share. The number is 845-429-1700. That's 845-429-1700. And uh, also... I wanted to take the time to say, if you're a musician, or it, it, uh, if you're a musician or, or a singer-songwriter, and you want to get your music out there uh, on the air, you know, we're we're an AM radio station, we're a small station, 
but it, it's still radio. There's still people listening, and uh, it's a chance for you to get your music out there. So you can email me, Kevin, at WRCR.com. Send me your music. Send me a little bio if you want. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, preferably an MP3 form, so it'll be a little easier uh, for me to uh, access it. And uh, just make sure that it's clean. You know, we we don't need to get in trouble with the FCC. <laughs> you know, so anyways, uh, we'll come back with the song Ride in just a moment here on The Good with Kevin Thomas. We'll be back in just a moment. Do you want to take a ride? Do you want to spend the night? Maybe plenty inside. Do you want to pay the price? Do you want to share your life? Cause maybe I'll need it when you're gone. You want to see trees, it's all as your dreams. Go a little crazy after midnight. Cause it's too bad to bear The truth that we wear So come along And let's be wrong again I'm falling in and out of love It's getting out of my control But maybe I'll get somewhere where it never ends I'm falling in and out of love It's getting out of my control But maybe I'll WRCRAM 1700. That was Mike Walsh. Actually, I actually called him Matt earlier and uh, apologize for that. It's Mike Walsh with the song Ride here on WRCR. And uh, really nice song. I really like real chill song. And uh, I can see myself playing that one again at some point or playing other music from Mike uh in the future uh so uh 
definitely uh w- w- i try to I, I you know we get the we get this music that comes in from different artists all over the place and uh i'll tell you it, it it's really fun for me uh you know being being kind of a musician myself i i i, I love discovering new tunes new tunage if you will uh and it it's always great to uh you know it's a new song it's always great to break uh, new music on on the show uh so again kevin at wrcr.com if you're a singer songwriter or musician that's got a song to play and like i said the only thing just make sure it's clean no no swearing in it you know because uh children are listening and so is the fcc now I want to talk about Susan Ellis and Tia Wimbush. Now they've worked together at the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta for more than a decade. And they they both have something in common. It turns out that both of their husbands happen to need a kidney transplant. Now they just happen to m- bump into each other now now covid and the restrictions and everything obviously uh, life was very much different for everybody but uh if you were going to work during the, during the the height of the pandemic uh chances are you probably didn't see your co-workers all that much or perhaps you were working at home or whatever the deal may be but uh it just happened by chance one day that Susan and Tia happened to bump into each other in the bathroom at work, and uh, they asked each other how each other's husbands were doing. And that's when they uh, had a little conversation, and it turned out that Tia's blood type was a perfect match for Susan's husband. And Susan's blood type happened to be a match for Tia's husband. So they decided they would help each other out. Tia said, my thought immediately was that we could help each other and stop the suffering of two families. I called Rodney, and Rodney's her husband, immediately, and he and I were both just committed to moving forward and trying to help two families. Now, Rodney is 45, same as Tia, and uh, he's a high school teacher. He was diagnosed with kidney failure back in August of 2019. And uh, he, he found this out because of a trip to to the hospital by ambulance due to uh high blood pressure so uh he started dialysis immediately after his diagnosis and he was put on a kidney transplant waiting list in the spring of 2020 just as covid hit and uh obviously that complicated uh, the process now susan's husband lance received a kidney transplant from his mother several years ago, but he went into acute renal failure in August of 2019. Uh, his body had rejected the kidney. So he was also put on dialysis after diagnosis, and uh, these treatments would stretch for as long as five or six hours daily. And uh, Lance says, uh, it hampers your quality of life. There's nothing easy about it. When I would get unhooked from that machine, I would feel worse. So, So as it turns out, Susan and Tia could help each other out, help each other's husbands out. And so they went under the required testing. And last October, they were approved as kidney donors for Lance and Rodney. Uh, so 
initially the transplants were going to take place in December, but it was postponed when Lance ended up having some complications with his acute kidney failure. So they decided they would then do the, the transplants in January. But the day before surgery, Susan tested positive for COVID-19. So the couples then had to move their transplants to the next available date, which was March 19th. So after all of that, March 19th rolls around, and there it was. At Piedmont Atlanta Hospital, Tia donated her kidney to Lance, and Susan donated her kidney to Rodney. Susan said, when you see the finish line, it makes it even sweeter. At 5.30 a.m., we walked through the hospital doors together. So in the course of one day, the two transplants took place, and the two couples recovered on the same hospital floor as each other, with rooms next to each other and just down the hall. Uh, Tia said, it was not as easy as I thought it was going to be, but I'd absolutely do it again. The feeling that I had after surgery is one that I almost can't describe. Just the hope and joy that I felt knowing my kidney could be a part of the process that helped two people have a better quality of life after seeing what they'd gone through in their kidney disease journey. And uh, Lance said, as soon as I could get out of bed, Susan took me on a walk and we walked up and down the halls and it was like out of a fairy tale for me. After being sick for so long, you forget what feeling good feels like. After waking up from that surgery, you feel capable of doing anything. It's life changing. All that time that was sacrificed for dialysis, I can now devote to my family. And uh, Rodney says, uh, I worry more about Lance than I do myself. Uh, I'll always be grateful to Susan for what she for doing what she did. Now, uh, Tia and Susan called themselves kidney sisters. And uh, they described themselves as having a bond for the rest of their lives. Uh, they both returned to work about... Uh, it looks like uh, last month they returned to, to both to work and and their co-workers greeted them in the hallway. You know, Tia says, in the process, having somebody else to talk to about this, to talk on a real transparent level about how we're feeling as wives, as women, as mothers, has been invaluable. We were looking forward to just continuing to get to bond with them because we're family now. And uh, both couples say they want to use their story to encourage people to look into becoming a living organ donor. Uh, there are currently more than 107,000 people in need of an organ transplant in the United States, according to federal data or data, depending on how you say it. Uh, but it, just a beautiful story, beautiful story. Uh, Susan says, our story is a story of kindness. It ended up in a kidney exchange. That was the result of it. But it started with human beings, just, just human beings and checking on each other. We're so busy with social media and texting and thinking that's not my business that we can self-isolate and we don't check in on our neighbors. This is the most important and rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. I didn't do it for that, but it ended up being that way. Isn't that amazing?
you know, my mom just texted me that it was divine intervention, and I agree. I think, you know, it just happened to be that they happened to work together. They happened to get to know each other. I think God knew that this was coming and put those two people together in the same workplace. And, and they had that conversation and they found out what they found out about each other's blood types. And, and I, I, I really do think it's divine intervention. I think, uh, I think it has a lot to do with God. It has everything to do with God. I think that's amazing story right there. Um, instead of starting a story, uh, we're pretty close to break time. So we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, I've got uh, a song to play in tribute to someone that we lost 50 years ago today. When the Good with Kevin Thomas continues. You know, the day destroys the night, night divides the day. Try to run, try to hide, break on through to the other side, break on through to the other side, break on through to the other side, yeah. We chased our pleasures here, dug our treasures there. WRCR AM 1700. You're listening to The Good with Kevin Thomas. 50 years ago this very day, the world lost Jim Morrison and in Paris, France at the age of 27. So that's my tribute to Jim Morrison. Break on through to the other side. Let's go to the phones. We have Franny on the line. How are you, Franny? Kevin, oh, I know him from The Doors, Jim Morrison. Yes. Yeah, that's sad. But he had had other songs, too, that we know of. Yeah, yeah. Right. So so many, uh, so many great songs The Doors did, and, uh... Right. He was a good man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, But I want to say about the children coming into the world now and being born sick. They have a whole life to live. I have a sad story. You know, I always do. I was just doing now for the cancer. I always do for St. Jude's. I'm always giving something. For, and, and I see them. It's so sad. The little girls have, you know, sick and everything, cancer. I feel so bad for the little ones. Yeah. And my girlfriend, I 
we were school kids, and she lived in my apartment building when I lived in the Bronx. She was 10 years old, and she died of leukemia. And we were best friends. It was so sad. Oh, wow. I'm sorry to hear that. You, you don't know. You know, that's it. When, when people should live. What, uh, you know, this world is. Nobody knows. Nobody knows anything. It's just sad. Very sad. But that's what I wanted to say. Yes. You lose good friends, kids, you know, and stuff, and friends and family and everything. You know, it's sad. Very sad. Yeah. Bye, Kevin. So I'll let you go. Okay. All right. Well, take care and uh, enjoy your 4th of July, okay? You too. Yes, yes. I'll speak to you next week because you'll be on. I, I will not be on next Saturday. It'll be the Saturday after. Oh, yes, yes. You'll be on vacation. Yes, I heard. Right. But aren't you filling in for um, Clem? No, I, I'm, 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 it, I'm gone the whole week. So. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, then. All right. Right. Well, have a safe vacation, and then I'll see you uh, on the 14th. Okay. Sounds good. Right. It'll be fun. Okay. Okay, Kevin, take care. You too. God bless. Bye-bye. God bless. Always good to hear from Franny. It is July 3rd, which means tomorrow is July 4th. And uh, I, I honestly, truthfully, oh, I wish nothing but a good and safe holiday tomorrow for all of you. Uh be careful with those fireworks. You always hear stories about people in the fireworks and, uh, you know, not not taking care, you know. Uh, so be very careful. Uh, you know, don't drink and drive either. You know, call, call an Uber, call a taxi, call a friend, whatever you got to do. Just be safe this holiday. Uh, I know we've been we've we ha we have a lot of pent up energy right now because we've spent more than a year in our homes and uh, things are starting to get back to normal and we're we're finally uh, at the point where we can start to celebrate and have barbecues and uh, and whatnot and uh, just enjoy ourselves like we used to, but. Uh, don't go overboard you know uh we want we want you around well beyond fourth of july so uh definitely something to think about tomorrow as we celebrate this great nation now speaking of this nation and great traditions uh, there's the great tradition of baseball. And uh, there's the great tradition, America's pastime. Matter of fact, the uh, Mets and the Yankees are set to play in a few minutes. Uh, I plan on going home and after posting the episode uh, that you're hearing right now. Uh, it, oh, and I, I should point out that... Uh, uh, you can hear th this entire episode if you if you missed any part of it. You can hear this entire episode later on this afternoon. I will have it posted on Spotify, Google Podcast, and now Apple Podcast. Uh, the Good with Kevin Thomas is now available on Apple Podcast, uh, so uh, you'll be able to hear uh, j just about any service that you use. You'll be able to hear the Good with Kevin Thomas right there but let's let's go back to tradition let's go back to baseball uh let's go back in time we're talking 1961 and her name was gwen mclaughlin she was 10 years old and she decided that she would write a letter to her favorite team, the New York Yankees, really the only team to root for, 
and she decided to send the letter to request to be a Batgirl. Now, the response that she received from Roy Hamey, who was the general manager of the Yankees at that time, said the following. While we agree with you that girls are certainly as capable as boys, and no doubt would be an attractive addition on the playing field, I am sure you can understand that in a game dominated by men, a young lady such as yourself would feel out of place in the dugout. So Hamey actually denied Gwen's request to be a Batgirl. Now, uh, I don't know what he was thinking. It was different times back then, I guess, but, you know, it's a shame that she didn't get to fulfill her childhood dream. Until you fast forward 60 years later. Now, Gwen McLaughlin became Gwen Goldman. And uh, her daughter, Abby, forwarded the letter, which, by the way, Gwen had actually hung the letter uh, framed on her living room wall. Now, Abby, her daughter, sent the letter to the New York Yankees to request that something be done about it. And it caught the eye of the current general manager, which uh, some Yankee fans wish he wasn't, uh, but uh, Brian Cashman, who's been who's been with the team for over a decade. And uh, he read the letter and, and uh, he decided that he would give Gwen a chance to fulfill her dream. He said, Although your long-ago correspondence took place 60 years ago, six years before I was born, to be honest, I'm not sure why he had to, to include that, but anyways, I feel compelled to resurrect your original request and do what I can to bring your childhood dream to life. And despite the fact that six decades has passed since you first aspired to hold down the position as a New York Yankees Batgirl, it is not too late to reward and recognize the ambition you showed in writing that letter to us as a 10-year-old girl. Now, members of the Yankees organization in in including uh, pitcher Garrett Cole, uh, ended up having a video call with Gwen, and they invited her to be a Batgirl. And uh, Gwen said, It is my honor and my dream, and I can't thank you enough for making this come true. I will be there. And she was. It turned out that uh, just, uh, just recently... Uh, just recently, she she ended up. You can find the you can find it on social media. She ended up uh, attending a game as a bat girl, and she she got to meet some Yankees, and she she got to walk the field and uh, stand in the dugout, and uh, she was a bat girl at seventy years old. Gwen Goldman, dreams do come true. Nice of the Yankees to extend that to her after such a mistake in the beginning 60 years ago. Now, uh, we only have a few minutes left uh, in the show. Uh, so I, I want to leave you with this story. We talk about Fourth of July, Independence Day, when we, we think about how great this country is, we also think about some of the things that could improve in our country as well, uh, especially when it comes to racism. Uh, here is a story about someone 
being it's a it's a story about someone finally being done right by what they did for the country he's 99 years old his name is Ozzy Fletcher and he lives in Brooklyn now Ozzy Fletcher suffered wounds to his legs uh, and uh, also he also suffered a head gash that scarred him permanently when he was working as a crane operator for the 254th Port Battalion on D-Day. He suffered the injuries during the Battle of Normandy back in 1944. Now, obviously, a soldier gets injured in the line in 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 the line of duty. Uh, he usually gets the Purple Heart. Well, Ozzy's black, and back then. They, they didn't exactly extend an olive branch to black soldiers. So, for a long time, more than seven decades, Ozzie Fletcher's sacrifice, the injuries he received in World War II, was overlooked. But recently, because his daughter sent a letter, she contacted the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and uh, she told them about his story, uh, his daughter Jacqueline said, uh, my father has a gash in his head that we can still see, and we can see he was hurt, and obviously he was doing the job of an American soldier, and I do believe he was overlooked. We're finally looking at all of our soldiers in the same way. America is trying to shift its thinking about culture and about race, and I appreciate that. Now, it turns out that recently Ozzy was given, finally, his Purple Heart. Ozzy said, we're leaving the shoreline, we're leaving the water, and we're going into the forest. We had heard about the Germans setting off missiles the size of asteroids. Something, a missile, hit our tractor. That was an awful day. He was 22 years old that, uh, on that day, and uh, he was forced to trudge through the English Channel covered in blood. Now, uh, he was brought to Fort Hamilton Army Base recently at 99 years old, where he met General James McConville. And he got his Purple Heart from Army officials who finally give him his just due for service that he made to our country. And simply put, as Ozzy put it, I'm exhilarated. Folks, we thank the soldiers you know, every single soldier makes a sacrifice serving an active duty, and some make the ultimate sacrifice. And I think of them when I think of this country, when I think of the freedoms that we have in this country, and I think of them tomorrow and every day. I tried to be a soldier once, and that didn't quite work out. But... Um, I have so much respect 
for those that made it through basic training and uh, made their way through the battlefields, protecting this nation and giving us the freedoms that we so hold dear. So tomorrow when you're having that burger or that hot dog or that steak or whatever it may um, you know what I'm getting myself hungry. Uh but tomorrow when you're enjoying the holiday, think of them. Think of them because uh, there'd be no Independence Day, there'd be no America without them. That's it for this week's edition of The Good with Kevin Thomas again. Next Saturday, which is the 10th, uh, there will be no Good with Kevin Thomas show. It'll return on the 17th here on WRCR. So stay tuned. We've got great programming coming up. And don't forget New York Boulders action tonight against the Washington Wild Things at 630 I'm sure we'll have pregame at 6.20. And uh, we will also have a game tomorrow. I believe the start time is at 6, uh, 6 o'clock in the evening. Uh, so uh, a great weekend for New York Boulders baseball. Hopefully we see some wins. And uh, hopefully the Yankees can win. I'm hoping the Yankees win too. Anyways, I'm Kevin Thomas and... Uh, I'm so, so glad to be here once again for another Saturday, and I can't wait for another one, God willing. Take care. Happy Fourth of July. And God bless.